Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. With me, Sean Tipping. I'll be your host today. Thank you for joining us. Today on the show, uh, I've got two guests joining me. It's Jeff and Costa from the Garage Network. And these two guys are located in Sydney, Australia. So other side of the planet for me. Um, But we're going to discuss a few of the differences between the independent automotive world uh, comparing the U.S., Uh, to Australia and uh, some of the struggles that they have to go through in order to get the information just to fix the cars. Uh, We'll also talk about the Garage Network, which I encourage anyone to check out, and what they've put together, the, the group that they've assembled, what their mission is, and what it's all about. So excited for this talk. Let's jump right in. So uh, what's what's going on with you guys? You're both in Australia, right? Yeah, no, yeah, we're both from Sydney. We're about an hour apart, so not not too far, not too far. Okay, I live in the uh, I live in the nicer part of Sydney. Sorry, I just thought I'd get that in there. <laughs> he will say that often. Don't worry. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's my only jerk moment. <laughs> you can have as many as you like. That's fine with me. Um, <laughs> no, please don't, don't don't encourage him. He's only got one joke, and that was it. So, like, we're out. <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh you're in the middle of another lockdown aren't you i saw something about that <laughs> yeah yeah yep, freshly freshly extended today we got extended an extra four weeks um minimum so that they just we just got that news today so yeah sort of literally in the middle of it so what do we do right yeah we can do. how how yeah. has that been for a business as far as automotive world goes so so initially so this is the second time we're sort of getting a bit of a lockdown happening uh first time around most shops were very busy it was pretty good for business like i think a lot of people that were putting off um jobs that they were putting off for a while decided well now's the time now that i'm home we can get the car sorted um international travel was stopped as well so a lot more people were going to be driving around australia initially the first time around so i think from what i've seen a lot of the guys in our network anyways is that the first time around was excellent for business there was a lot of government assistance as well so it worked really well in a lot of people's favor um this time around it feels a bit more gloomy mm. um there isn't as much government assistance and i think this time people were a bit more concerned um which from the guy that I've been speaking to and myself as well, the phones aren't ringing as much. We're still getting the work in, but it's no longer, you know, two, three weeks booked in advance is sort of, which is common for most Sydney shops anyways, um, is starting to sort of taper back a bit. It's kind of like when you walk out the front door in the morning, you know, it's it's normally sunny. Um, it's like there's a bit of a grey cloud everywhere you look, you know. It's it's a, it's a bit it's a bit of a saddening time. Um, it's definitely, definitely hit the workshops. Um, this time around, um, and yeah, I agree with Cost, what Cost is saying. It's it's a, it's a very strange time. It's it's not like last year. Not last year, we, we all sort of muddled away. You know, it, um, people wanted to travel in the cars because they, they couldn't travel. Uh, you know, couldn't go overseas, so everyone got in the cars and workshops were were rampacked, busy. And now it's um, a little. You know, I, I'm seeing a bit of a four, like a forty fifty percent drop. Um, so okay. might differ there, but yeah, it was definitely a big hit. Yeah, we experienced uh, very similar to what you were talking about the first time around us back in spring of 2020. Um, it was actually, it was incredibly busy. And like you said, I think um, lots of people weren't spending money on a lot of things they normally do. So they fixed their cars, they got a government check. So the because I do, I do a mobile service where I go shop to shop. So I visit quite a few of them. And 
they were every place was just packed uh, aside from a few shops that were slow but every place was so busy and it was kind of the opposite of what i had expected to happen um you know i thought with as little driving as people were doing around here because there was no traffic and realistically the traffic hasn't even come back around here um i i can count on one hand the times i've been like stop and go traffic in the last year um but the shops are busy and um yeah and we had a second lockdown last fall and kind of like you're saying it was it was a little slower at that point um than the first one but you know made it through and uh Hopefully you guys can uh, can do the same. Get on the other side of that thing. Yeah, that's, look, that's, I think. Yeah, sorry, Costa. There, there will be. Yeah. It will bounce back, and and when it bounces back, it will it'll bounce back hard. So, you know, it's just a case of sticking in there, and you know, and uh, keeping trying to keep positive about things. Um, but it'll, it'll come back, and everyone will be whinging again that we're too busy. You know, there's <laughs> enough hoists. There's enough car parking spaces. <laughs> that's a big problem yeah. in Sydney. Uh, finding places to park cars um, but yeah that's another story but uh, it'll come back yeah I agree I think it's a bit of a almost like a dam effect right now it's all starting to build up in that dam because eventually these cars still have to be fixed just because you put it off and people are going to start driving again so I think there is definite light at the end of that tunnel we've just got to get through that tunnel so there was a, a downturn in um, in new car sales as well you know, mm. uh, and I think I think that's still the case. There's just no cars coming into the country. Yeah. Um, so that's always going to be a positive thing for you know the industry. Yeah, there's a the, that chip shortage that's still chip going shortage, on yeah. right now, and um, I mean it's it's driving up the price of used vehicles like crazy. I don't know if it's the same down there with yeah. you guys, but thirty I'm, to forty percent increase in yeah. used cars for us. Yeah crazy so (laughs) that might be that might be driving the repair side uh up quite a bit as well i was i was looking to buy a pickup truck and i like to buy just old vehicles and fix them you know like a lot of mechanics do and i could always find you know an old beat up truck for a couple grand and that's not happening right now um everything out there has like three hundred thousand miles on it and they want you know still five six thousand dollars so um crazy yeah. when the price goes up I guess it's just more feasible to fix that's all it is you know when that's they're worth right. more money it's you know it's no longer the cost is as much as the car the car's worth so it's worth throwing money at them so what you just said there uh, Sean uh, 300,000 miles you know I'm, I'm obviously I'm not a born Australian I know I'm out look it um, but uh, you know, I'm f- from the UK. We're dealing miles, and uh, when somebody says in Australia, "Oh, it's done three hundred thousand kilometers," oh, it's scrap. And I'm like, "You're joking me? That's not even running." You know, still like it's not like new. What's wrong with you? You know, you're yeah, talking about trucks with three hundred thousand uh, miles. You know, it's, uh, it's still it's, keep them going, keep them going. <laughs> I I remember I was on a test drive with a vehicle one time, and it was from. I don't remember if it was from Mexico. It was from another country. The, the The vehicle was built and somebody bought it and they brought it to the States. And I didn't even realize it. I'm out on a test drive and I was on a road where the speed limit was 40 miles per hour, right? And I saw there was a, a police officer coming towards me in the other lane and I just glanced down at my speed. And I'm usually pretty good at just estimating without looking at the speedometer, but I glanced down and it says like almost 70 or something like that. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Hold, hold on just a second. And yeah, the speedometer was in kilometers. I didn't realize that until I, I just, it scared me for a second. So I always uh, remember that when I think of the speedometer kilometers. <laughs> yeah. Did it, you don't know the, the, the um, Australian cars are faster than the ones in the U S <laughs> that's what it is yeah <laughs> the numbers are higher so it's got to be faster right <laughs> yeah and end of podcast <laughs> <laughs> and delete <laughs> yeah. it, it's funny because mm-hmm. uh, i was talking with costa earlier and I, and I said you know um i said have you ever been to the states and he's like yeah you know costa's been and and i've been and uh i said yeah i said uh we've got better beer in uh in australia than the u.s so. <laughs> 
What's what's the moment? I promise. (laughs) (laughs) What's that commercial? Um, I'm trying to think. It was actually an older one. Is it Foster's? Is that the? Is that an Australian brand? Yeah, Foster's. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, iconic, iconic beer. No one actually drinks it here, (laughs) but it's iconic. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. You know, so uh, what, who, who do we have? We have um, Paul Hogan, who was Crocodile Dundee. He was the he was the Foster's guy, and and in the states, you've got Paul Dana, famous super uh, dad guy, and John Rambo. So, you, you, <laughs> <either> that... <laughs> yes, we do. We do have John Rambo. <laughs> don't break it to him, but Jeff still believes that that was a documentary. So, don't break it to him. <laughs> It it wasn't. Uh, yeah. Hold on a second. No, no. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was a documentary, correct? <laughs> well, hey, I probably should have started with this, but that's okay. Um, do you guys yeah. want to tell me a little bit about each of you? Because really, I only know you from a few Facebook messages. Um, yeah. But for me and the listeners, if each of you wants to share just a little bit about what you do in the auto industry, sure. Um, Jeff, you can go first. Um, so I was a um, Volkswagen Audi specialist in the UK. Um, running, uh, I ran my own shop for about twelve years. And um, long story short, why you know my my uh, fiance convinced me to move to Australia. It didn't take a great deal of convincing, but that's a story for another day. Um, and when I moved over to Australia, I wanted to try something different than than being a, a hands-on mechanic or tech or whatever you want to call it. And um, I took a role with a, a chemical company who, who was, uh, you know, uh, I, I used these chemicals in the UK. I'm not going to start naming names here. Um, and that's how I kind of started going around the workshops, you know, selling, selling my chemicals and, and tools and things like that, um, which is one of, a, one of, one of the um, steps to how the Garage Network, Garage Network was born. Um, obviously, uh, Costa was a user of the chemical, and um, we fell in love. It's <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful story, actually. It's a beautiful story. Yeah, um, look, look, that, that could have gone on for three hours, so I think it did well. <laughs> yeah, did well. Um, so about me, so I'm second generation mechanic. So my dad was a mechanic as well. Um, I did my apprenticeship and got my qualification sort of under under his watch. Um, when I then turned 19, I had different visions of how I want to run my workshop. It was a bit of more of an old-school workshop, uh, very basic stuff. Didn't want to dive into any diagnostic or anything hard. You know, anything that had a light on, yep, send it to the electrician. Everything was an electrician job. Don't even bother. Yep, doesn't drive right, electrician, you know. Um, I wanted to have a bit of a different, more challenging um, workshop, some that sort of kept me a bit more interested. Um, so I ventured out on my own at about 20 years old. Uh, went and got a workshop, um, started that up, um, and ran that for about 15 years, 14 years. Um, sold that about a year and a half ago, um, just to free up some time and go traveling. That was a plan. And then good old COVID hit. I, I timed it excellently. I did really well. Um, so yeah, so we, um, we built that up, sold that. And then we, um, plan was to go traveling for a bit and come back and restart. But, um, since then, I'm now in the mobile space, sort of looking for another site, but until then, enjoying the mobile repair space um, and, you know, trying to keep some old customers happy. Um, also do a bit of um, tech teaching as well for a college. So, um, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at at this point. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about the Garage Network. Um I'm curious what that is all about. Uh, I joined the Facebook group, but uh, that's about as much as I know at this point. But tell me all about it. So, so as Jeff was saying, so we with the Garage Network, it started off by like Jeff would come and see me often. Most of the time, he'd end up staying for lunch and having a bit of a chat. And you know, you know, he'd always say, "Oh, you'd get along with this guy really well. Oh, you'd get along with this guy really well. Oh, you've got to meet this guy." Um, and I think I I just said to him one day, "You know what? Well." Fridays, we normally have, you know, Friday Arvo barbecues at the workshop. Just get them to come over. We'll extend it. We'll stay here all night if we have to. You know, get in your van and collect them all up, pick them all up and, and bring them over. We'll have a few beers and have a bit of a chat after work and, and finally meet. And the strange thing was a lot of these workshops were close. I mean, under 5Ks, it were three miles away, you know, so quite close to where I was yet 
never met them, you know, never really knew of the workshops, but never actually went in there to have a chat because, you know, a lot of the, you know, it's a bit of a, a shame that we don't actually get out of our way sometimes. Um, but yeah, then after that, I think we had that one barbecue and then we thought, you know what, let's do this monthly. And then that, you know, the group of five became a group of 10, group of 10 became a group of 15. Um, that's when I think Jeff then decided, you know, we'll start this group and we can communicate through the the group. You know, if anyone wants to host another bit of barbecue or get together, we can all communicate through this group, private group. Um, and then, then transpired to what it is today, you know, so... Yeah, by last count, we're about... It just nicely grew, didn't it? You know, people were talking and, you know, trying to do do a nice thing. I think for many years, it's always been, um, you know, in the trade, you know, your neighbouring garage was always, oh, he's he's an idiot, they're idiots, you know, Mm -hmm. like an old-fashioned mentality of of everybody else is the enemy and, you know, didn't really talk to each other. But that's that's really changed um, quite a lot. Which is uh, which is really nice. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. And like, what's awesome as well, like the the more we're seeing people join, we're seeing you know the whole point of it was you know if I get caught in you know a job that I'm not sure about, potentially a car I'm not sure about, having that that person to lean on and and you know saying you know do you know anything about this car? Do you know anything about that? You know, if there's a problem, we can share some photos. Maybe we can all help each other. That was sort of a lot of the the whole networking side of thing was to hopefully you know if we can all work together like this in sydney anyways that's where we initially started now it's australia wide um there's definitely more than enough cars for everybody to fix right which which i think was once people start understanding that you know wait we're all we're not trying to steal each other's work you know Mm -hmm. we're not trying to to you know we're actually here to help each other you know which like after we started the garage i then found it nice to just go pop into the guy down the road and have a chat you know and you see the demeanor change after one or two visits once they realize you know, oh, he just wants to chat, you know. It, it was nice. It's nice. So would you say it's mainly geared towards the independent or aftermarket shop as opposed to a dealership? Yeah. I'm not saying there isn't any dealer guys on there. Yeah. But, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with, with a dealer tech. You know, um, Gary O'Rean, um, who, who put us all together, he, he was a dealer tech. He's a fantastic guy, you know. Um, hmm. Edit that bit, um, but uh, um, <laughs> yeah, predominantly it is um, you know it is independent independent workshops. Okay, but I think that that might be because the independent side seems to be a bit more lonely. You don't really have that support of the dealership, you know. In, in so maybe there's more of them looking for that support potentially. I, I, I don't know, but um, that's all I can imagine. Yeah, because. Uh, we experienced that too in the independent world. You don't have that, you know, engineering department that you could call if you were in a dealership. You don't, you can't call the people who <laughs> built the cars. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you kind of have to band together and use each other's knowledge to get through those tough ones. Right. Um, and like, like you said, it's a really good point that there's, there's enough cars for everybody to fix. Um, plus, you get some of these networks, like you said, yours is Australia wide, and you know some of the groups that I'm in are are worldwide. We're not even in co- competition with each other because we're geographically so far apart, right? And so, being able to connect with those people is uh, so cool. I mean, just being able to talk with you guys. Uh, the other side of the planet is pretty freaking cool, I think. But um, yeah. yeah, these these groups uh, like the one that you guys have and some of the other Facebook groups and online groups, super powerful thing uh, for, for everybody in this industry uh, to, you know, just share knowledge. That's really what it is and help each other out. 100% agree. 100% agree. You know, and, and I think I think it sums it up. I don't remember who told me this before, but like, you know, as an individual, yeah, cool. There's probably eighty percent that you can fix, but as a collective, you know, if you get two thousand plus texts in one room, I can guarantee you there's there's nothing you can't fix, right? And and you know, I'm I'm one to say that I, no one knows it all. You know, certain systems I'm not familiar with, and I'm happy to admit that. But you know what? I probably know someone that's familiar at it. I've got no problem making the phone call or even sending the job there. It's all good. 
you know it's not it makes it breaks the ice a bit when you've interacted a bit online it almost feel like you know them <laughs> it's, it's weird you see the, the other good thing about it is is um there's, there's little data you know um technical data we, we we've got um holden and toyota that we can get you know manufacturers information from everywhere you know everywhere else is a struggle um i don't know what it's like in the us i, I think you guys can get as much information as you want so you know if somebody's got a car that's a, what the, the australians call a curly job um to to try and get into a manufacturer's portal you you, you know it's it's now impossible unless you're going through um you know a third party a third party route or the google you know mm-hmm. yeah because yeah, we don't have any data share our data share legislation was only passed a month ago you know, so up until a month ago, there was no real requirement that any manufacturer had to share any information with us. So we couldn't just log into a portal and get a wiring diagram. And, you know, unless, like Jeff said, you know, you're by third party normally means using a VPN and going through as a Russian <laughs> major <laughs> subscription, you know, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't that straightforward, you know. So, yeah, I think you guys have information or is it state to state dependent or something with um, yeah. manufacturer stuff? So we have, um, there's, um, right to repair act, um, that we have here. And so, yeah, the manufacturers have to make available, uh, their, um, tools like scan tools, uh, in order to fix the vehicles and also the information. And I mean, going back, we had OBD and OBD two, that's like way back in the nineties, and that was all emissions driven. So anything that related to the emission system on the vehicle, they had to sell what you needed to repair. They had to release the information, had to all be standardized. So that has definitely been helpful. Now, that being said, does every manufacturer exactly play nice? Not necessarily. Um, and I'm sure you know, there's some manufacturers, I don't know, they tend to be European, I think, but even their factory information is just not that good. Um, it's not that good. If, if I'm trying to understand, you know, like a code set criteria for like Volkswagen or a Land Rover or something like that, even if I have access to their service info, I'm still kind of in the dark as to what's going on there. Um, so, I mean, we, we still do run into it all the time where I got to call somebody who's an expert on a Volkswagen or Land Rover or something like that to like, what, what the heck's this thing mean? I don't even know what's going on here. <laughs> Every time you say Land Rover, I'm getting shivers. Don't, don't, don't say that. Land Rover. Ooh. The thing is, it's um, uh, Mike Carnamala, um, one of your other garage network guys. He, he said, you know, be careful what you wish for um, mm-hmm. because all of a sudden, you know, the floodgates might not open, but all of a sudden we might get manufacturers starting to give us information, and then and then we need to learn, as you know, we need to learn driving around these portals and and how to access the information. Um, you know, every manufacturer's got a different layout. You can't use Google Chrome for some. You have to use Firefox or Edge or you know, Windows Windows Seven or something. It's it's going to open up a a whole new universe and it may be a painful it may be a painful one but we'll get there and back to networking again you know maybe some guys can if you're local you concentrate on a couple of brands and and another shop can work on a couple of a couple of different brands and and put their heads together you know help each other out yeah we're seeing a lot of the specialization too uh, you know where shops will zero in on maybe two or three brands. Um, it's not everywhere. We still have lots of shops that cover everything, but um, you're seeing more more of the specialty shops and they're generally pretty successful too. Um, especially going back to the European ones. I think the ones that specialize in Euro do, do well. Um, I don't know. They seem to be able to <laughs> command a much higher price, um, yeah. the, the shops that I can think of. But I think that... That much just 
be part of the culture of owning a European vehicle, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I think because I think you're learning a whole new language. So, I mean, you're charging for the time you're learning that new language of, of, <laughs> of, of um, code. <laughs> right. It, it, it's right. so funny. It's like an absolute um, flip turn because back, uh, back in the UK, it was like, oh, what's this, what's this turtle piece of crap doing? Who's this car in, you know? Oh, this is going to be expensive. Get me a Volkswagen BMW. <laughs> You know, at least you get the parts for a Volkswagen or a BMW, whereas here it's just an absolute upturn. The opposite. You know, yeah. Scary. Do you guys struggle getting uh, the actual parts for the vehicles as well there? No, I think we're pretty good with parts. I mean, I think short of a very specialized part that might be very limitedly or very, not sold very often yeah you still get your old your odd you know got to come from germany and whatnot uh more mm-hmm. with the european stuff but i mean i think well look i should speak for myself because you remember australia is quite vast and we have quite remote places as well like i was based out of sydney cbd so i mean whatever you want very quick like our delivery times for most at least aftermarket to, um parts was within half an hour like very quick Right, um, but then you go to some of these remote guys, it gets more difficult. It gets more difficult. I think yeah. um, last year had an impact because um, a lot of the car parts seem to come from Melbourne. Um, mm. I mean, you're okay if you're in Melbourne, but um, when Melbourne was locked down, um, there was there was cars on hoists waiting for parts that just couldn't couldn't be brought up to Sydney. It was, um, it was that was a bit of a pain in the backside. That would have been more of a COVID thing, right? Not really a yeah, no, that's main that's distribution thing, was it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, do you guys do any of the uh, module programming, uh, you know, personally, or are there people down there that do that? Um, I do a lot of that with my mobile stuff. I'm just curious, do you have access to that equipment yeah, so- and ability? So there is a fair few guys down here in in Sydney that do do them. I personally, again, purely based on the accessibility to manufacturers' portals, I just thought, you know what, I'll wait till they all come online and 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 then then go for it because I have this unhealthy fear of bricky modules, um, and I thought I'd, <laughs> I'd wait until they're all you know available through the correct channels before I dive into sort of that side of things. Um, but there definitely is a lot of shops around that, that do do them. There is a lot of shops it's, around. There's quite do a few car ducks knocking around in, in, yeah. in, you know, around Australia. Um, I think the main reason for the, you know, for the Holdens would be, uh, the software update for the timing chain fault code. I can't remember what the fault code is now, but you know, instead of replacing it, we just make the parameters larger. Great. Because <laughs> it's no longer broken, the computer yeah. says. No, yeah. Next, um, computer says good. Well, you know, there are ways to do things. You know, I think everyone's got an address in the in the somewhere in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, I'm not saying anymore. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's always ways to fix it. If we don't fix it, it's going back to the dealer. Um, you know, we want to fix it. Which, look, even sometimes, I know with, with us, we had a pretty good relationship with our local, one of our local dealers anyways, where, you know, if you did need a program, they'd, they'd you know, speak to the workshop and then they'd work it out and you'd, you'd pay it and get it done in a reasonable amount of time. Um, which, again, limit, you know, so did we need to do it? Not really, because it was available, you know, and in our network, there was a fair few guys willing to do them as well. So, look, I, I, I am a little bit in the sense of if you're going to do something, do it 100% or don't do it. That's sort of how I like to um, always do my things. I wasn't 100% comfortable with, you know, going through back doors and doing this, you know, jumping through yeah. hoops for this data. So I was like, you know what, we'll wait till it's available. It's coming. So, you know, be patient and, and it will happen. Yeah. We just, we just hopefully need better internet as well. Our, our internet isn't the world's best over here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How do you find it? Obviously, you're going around mobile, are you, and doing that for for workshops? Is that primarily when you say yeah. programming? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of module replacement. You know, I'll get the updates every once in a while, but I would say at least three quarters of the time, the update doesn't fix what they're after. There's something else yeah. wrong. But 
um, a lot of new module replacement. And so that's what I get called out for is to, to set up the new module. Um, and yeah, it's, um, it, I think it's becoming more and more of a needed service, uh, just because the amount of modules on vehicles and the ones that have a bunch are starting to age. So you're seeing more and more, um, the one that I run into more frequently now, and I'm actually curious if this is something that you guys have seen is needing the, um, vehicle security professional, or it's also called a locksmith ID in order to complete some of the anti-theft procedures. Um, I know like newer Fords require it. Um, there, there's a number of other vehicles and scenarios. Um, have you run into that at all down there? I'm not sure what the setup is in your country. It's certainly not something that that I've seen. Um, um, I mean, I know, I know some of the guys use, um, you know, um, some some tools. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think Hotel. Um, you know whether that can bypass some of this information, and I'm not sure. But uh, okay, not really, definitely not my field. Um, that type of security. I certainly know we can't get the um, the Volkswagen Fob yet um, for you know for um, parts replacement for the um, security number whatever it was called yeah we we run into a lot with keys and stuff like that that's where it is but even doing like if you do uh, powertrain control modules on a on a dodge or something you need a four-digit security code in order to complete it even though you're not really messing with the keys uh, you still have to do the anti-theft and then it's like almost everything new ford if it's body control or powertrain control or keys you got to have this uh, security access, which you go through this process where they do a background check on you and you subscribe with uh, to an organization called Nastiff and they look over all yeah. your stuff and then they authorize you. But then when you do it, you have to get all of the owner, the, the owner of the vehicle, you have to get all their information documented, get it to sign. It's a, it's a whole process. Like in some cases, just to do a simple like, parameter reset on a Ford, it now makes it like a two-hour process to make it happen. I think a part of our, I think a part of our data sharing scheme is is, is modeled like your guys is going to be. So mm-hmm. I think that's, we're going to have to be jumping through those same hoops once we do have access to all the security stuff. Um, again, at this point, I think because a lot of these manufacturers aren't on board yet, people probably aren't running into it because we're not using Australian manufacturers, right? So um, gotcha. we're not... Australian registered manufacturers. So, um, you know, even if we wanted to get those security codes, can we get them? Probably not. They'll probably tell you who are you, you what dealership do you work at before we give you these codes, right? Um, yep. So, I think that's probably why we're not seeing it yet. Um, because again, you know, VPN, you're no longer in the country. You're now in some, you know, Eastern European <laughs> country, which, <laughs> which which security is not not as, as important at some some of those places. So, yeah. Sure. For well, we're not you, seeing it as much. Do, do you find any aftermarket tools that, that are doing it, are, are bypassing that uh, pin code? Yeah, there's where there's a uh, there's a problem. There's a solution out there. Um, yeah, I love, they, that, I love that thing. I love it. <laughs> um, they were called tools of questionable origin was the term that was used by Nastif. <laughs> and there's a lot of them out there, but the, where those ones, those tools actually come from in a lot of cases are other countries, you know, like you guys are talking about where they don't have the ability to do it the OE factory way and they still need to fix these cars. So some honestly really smart people figure out how to go onto the board how to read all these, you know, zeros and ones and figure out how to transfer information from one module to another or how to pull information from that so that you can get it. And in my opinion, most of the time, it's not a, um, it's not to steal vehicles or steal modules. It's just because we got to fix the cars somehow. We got to get these things back out on the road. That's where a lot of these tools come from. So yes, I, I do have a few of those tools and it makes my life much easier in some cases. So, 
You can send us yeah, a list right. afterwards. <laughs> yeah, sure, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, I love that. It's all about fixing the problem, right? That's what it is. Been, been, been. Um, some clever guys out there that, that, yeah, do the right thing. Yeah, it's good. Well, like yeah. you mentioned, even Autel, they were one of the first ones that I used that kind of had that backdoor to certain functions, right? That you just didn't have before. And I remember when I first got one, I was like, "This is such a cool tool that you know has so much ability." Uh, to to do some of those things keep keep my day moving yeah, powerful tool for not much price it's, it's pretty nice isn't it mm-hmm. yeah but the, the um the issue that i would see um with uh you know mobile um module programming and things like that is you know you're gonna get a shop you know sean i've got a car here it needs a new uh computer it needs a you know abs module or something and and then you actually end up having to diagnose it because, you know, maybe maybe you've, you've scanned the car and, uh, you know, this isn't right. You know, so you've been, you're meant to be charging for to do a program and then you're charging for two or three hours uh, diagnostics. Yeah, 100%. That's how it goes a lot of the time is yeah. they'll replace the module. They'll call me to program it. I program it. It still doesn't start or doesn't do what they want. So the the scheduling part for me is tough but i'm i'm prepared in most cases to shift gears and do the diagnostics and if you do the mobile programming i think you almost have to be set up to do some diagnostics because you're going to run into that all the time or i go out there and it doesn't communicate right i'll, I'll get a new module they plugged in and it doesn't talk to my scan tool i'm like I can't, I can't program this for you guys. Do you want me to figure it out? And nine times out of 10, they give me the thumbs up and I, I switch gears. But yeah, all, all the time you run into that yeah. out there. The phone call of, I've put four modules into it. It still won't communicate. Let me, should we try the fifth one? Yeah. <laughs> yep. it, it's yeah. funny you say that because I was listening to, uh, I was listening to a podcast today and uh, I think it was a, a conversation was going around those lines. I think. Um, you know, I think somebody replaced three or four computers in until, until uh, I think it, I think it might have been one of yours, Sean. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. Um, you know, uh, how many times do you want to change a uh, a good computer? <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and I've been down that road too, where you get, you know, two or three whether it be a module or an alternator or whatever. And yeah, you actually do have two or three bad yeah. new parts. Um, I don't know if you guys run into that at all, but we, I think recently I'm starting to see that a lot more where new, new parts are, they're junk right out of the box and it'll really throw you off. It'll really mess with you because you think you, yeah. mess, you missed something, but really it's just a junk part. I think we've been lucky. We haven't had too many. We had a bit of a case with some counterfeit parts coming from some manufacturers at one point. Mm. Um, short of that, I think we've been pretty – well, I personally, I've been pretty lucky. You get the odd. Obviously, you get the odd. Sure. Um, you know, the warrantable, um, you know, out-of-the-box O2 sensor that was dropped 30 times. You know, you, you get the box still beaten up, and, and it's the last one. It's Friday afternoon. Oh, should I still it's fit it? <laughs> it's taped up, yeah, held together, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you get the odd one like that. But I think we're pretty – for me, anyway, it's pretty pretty okay. We haven't had too many um, faulty new stuff. Um, I was curious. We've got a bit of a technician shortage here in the states. It's hard to fill spots in shops, um, and I've had a couple discussions on it, and you know what's actually causing it and that. But do you guys have that same issue? You find it tough to find technicians down there. Yes. Absolutely. You can ask, I reckon, oh, probably Jeff probably knows even better. Every shop you walk into, I dare say, everyone wants a, a tech. I think, I think every day somebody says, oh, Jeff, you need to find me. I need a guy. And oh, no, I don't want a good guy. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't want a medium guy. I want a good guy. You know, I'm, I'm first on the list. Yeah. I'm like, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but um, well, you said yeah. yes to me when you, when you came. You said I was first on your list. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, say, I say anything to you, Costa. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a massive problem. Um, uh, you know, we've had quite a few discussions um, on the Garage Network about the, uh, you know, n not just the, um, the tech check, uh, tech shortage, but also the apprentice shortage. 
you know, kids don't want to be techs anymore. Um, yeah, crazy time. Shame. Who doesn't want to be a it's tech? A Who doesn't want to be involved in cars? It's brilliant. It's the best job in the world. <laughs> a bit of everything. It's a bit of chemistry. A bit, a bit you know, hopefully no biology, but uh, you know, it's, it's science, it's math. Um, I don't know. You know, what more? What more would you want? Yeah, but see, that's the, that's the message of that that I think most of the young guys aren't understanding. It is all that. You know, it is pushing towards you know, a cleaner job. Like I know. I'm definitely cleaner into the day than I used to be when I was sat in my apprenticeship. It's cleaner. It's it's a it's a more of a thinking man's game. I think nowadays as well. Um, we're just gonna start to like I I do primarily blame ourselves for the little um, hole we're in. I think we we haven't done any favors in sort of promoting ourselves as a as a industry. Um, you know, it's not the um, you know it's not as sexy as being a, a chef or anything like that. It, it's it's sort of um, yeah. I think we, we could have done a bit better earlier on. But, I mean, I'm still seeing a fair few guys come through the colleges, and, and you know what? They're eager. Like, I know a lot of people are quick to blame the younger generation and they don't want to work hard. I don't agree. I think that the the ones that I'm seeing anyways are, are pretty pretty excited to fix cars. They love cars. Um, but I, at the same time, I don't know how well they're being treated during their process, you know, which they're not nurturing their their skills not working, they want to fix cars, you know, they get given a broom for half the first year and then onto services for your second year and then the third year you might get some breaks and then fourth year uh, you might still be on breaks and if you're lucky you might get the odd dying job, you know. It's not very um, not very nurturing for someone who wants to learn. Right. You know, I, I think I spent, when I started out my career in, um, in a little workshop in Blackpool, um, I, I must have spent eight months sweeping up, washing cars, cleaning parts. You know, I think maybe maybe the last hour of it let me undo some nuts and bolts. You know, and I kept going. I, you know, I turned up for work every day. I still loved it. You know, oh, you know, I've got to do six hours of crap work before I can uh, have some fun. And you know, yeah. God, I think um, I see some of the younger apprentices in Australia, and you know we're really getting into it, and, uh, and it's it's great to see. You know they're not doing the sweeping up as much anymore. Um, yeah, you know, maybe we need to, you know, get that sweeping brush up. But um, yeah, we just need more of them. Yeah, I, I remember. You know, everybody's got to start doing that stuff, cleaning the shop and flat repairs and you know, tire rotates and stuff like that. But like you said, you want to, you want to move into the better, I don't know, better is the right word, but more complex stuff, right? If you're excited about this, you want to start doing tougher jobs and bigger jobs just to keep you interested. So it it is really important, you know, for those kids that have that excitement to allow them, give them a chance to get their hands dirty with that stuff and yeah, not stick them, in like a oil change bay for three Express years bay, in a dealership. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I worked at Toyota for a very <clears throat> brief period early in my career. And that's what they did. Change oil, run it through the car wash, change oil, run it through the car wash. That was my job for, you know, eight hours a day and I hated it. And oh. I don't know how long I would have done that before I could have moved on to something else. <clears throat> so I quit and I went to an independent shop where I worked with one other technician and <laughs> I got to do just about anything that I wanted to attempt to tackle. And sometimes it went terribly wrong, but I, I love doing it. I love going and yeah. <laughs> fixing some stuff and breaking other things. And it, it was a really good experience. So you got, you got to give them that little bit of, of something, allow them to get their, their hands dirty. So they'll stay interested in this. I think I think you've got to break a few things in life. You've got to break you, things. You know, you, you've, you've got, got to, to. You've got to learn from your mistakes. You know, you, you've got you got to break things. Like I don't as think as, you've as learned. As long as it's just not too expensive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. You, but, yeah. you know, it's going to happen, and it. You know, as long as you're trying, and you know, if if you're a young kid starting out, it, you, it's going to happen. You know, the amount of things I broke, I've, I've broke some good stuff in my time. Um, <laughs> I still do. A still do. Basis, yeah, so. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. We still do. I think. I don't think the breaking stuff. Um, the breaking stuff doesn't ever end, but it just it seems the frequency reduces. Hopefully, that's about uh-huh. all. 
Yeah. Hopefully you cut your hands less, you know. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, getting up there in our ages, we we, we should have uh, nicer hands now. We shouldn't be beaten with hammers and chisels. And... <laughs> I, I haven't lost a fingernail in quite a few years, so I'm doing pretty yeah. good there. <laughs> that, that, that's when um, you know your skills improving. The ratio of fingernails <laughs> to nail fingers, yeah, that's the ratio. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely it definitely is a problem, and I think, um, you know, even once they're qualified, you know, keeping them engaged and, and keeping even guys, the good guys, it's funny, don't seem to leave where they are or go and start their own thing. Um, you know, so I think that's also probably a good reason why it's probably got a good culture. You know, the good guys are probably started by being taught the right way and or at least given the option to sort of grow not just as a skill level but even you know as a tech and as a person i think it's it's quite important like we've discussed this before on our networks and and yeah a lot of it comes down to you find that the the techs that everyone wants are in the workshops where the, the tech won't leave mm-hmm. you know they're, they're pretty you know it's not just the paycheck you know the lifestyle's right you know they they get treated like actual human um <laughs> it's not it's not where's that whip keep whipping it you know they, they right right yeah that, that, that's what I've seen. That's what I've personally seen. Well, it's yeah. uh, right now these shop owners know that I got to keep this guy, right? If you got an A tech and a, a you know Absolutely. a guy that comes in does a good job, he's got a good personality, they'll bend over backwards to keep that guy or girl at that shop. Um, and so i i get the same question like you were saying jeff people asking me do you have any technicians do you have any technicians that are experienced i'm like right now you almost have to poach them from another shop that's like the only way you're going to get that person into your shop um because it's very rare that that guy's out there just wandering around looking for a job (laughs) and if it is it's not very long correct and I think good good techs sort of know that as well. They're not silly. They understand that. You know, mm-hmm. they, they see what's happening. They know that, that we have a shortage. They know that, um, you know, if, like if you, you know, you know you're good at what you're doing and, and you know, you're diagnosing all the right things and, you know, you know where you sit in that workshop, you know. So I think we can't um, discount that either. So treating them not right, they may start looking at those greener pastures. So <laughs> make sure you water your sort of thing. <laughs> yep. You've got, yeah. got to look after the staff. That's uh, you know, mm. if you, you want to want to stop them moving elsewhere, because um, certainly, certainly in Australia, somebody else will look after them. Mm. And I've got a list of people that will. So, <laughs> and I'm on top. Of, and I'm on top of the list, right? From the states, you told me yeah, I'm on top of that list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you guys got any questions for me? Um, yeah, I actually do. So, like, one thing that was new, because I've only just listed a list to your podcast, and they're excellent. One thing that Thank I you. heard a few – yeah, no, a few, a few of the th- – you guys are talking about you guys have a lot of um, um, set price repairs compared to um, hourly rate stuff or something, how you price out jobs. Um, so you, are, you're talking about, like, like there's a – fixed price for doing breaks on something is that is that what yeah. you mean so yeah okay. i forget what you guys call it you said a, a name for it, it yeah what's that canned job i think sometimes they call it in the shops i've been to um but yeah it depends on the shop some yeah. shops will have that where they just offer a, a flat price on something and that's the what the customer would pay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's not the word. That's not the word. Flat rate. Oh, flat. okay. I flat gotcha. rate compared to, yeah, compared to um, with your techs, right? We don't have that. Like, really? that's, 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 yeah, we don't have like a flat rate. Okay. Well, not, not, in, not in our independent world anyways. Um, and I was listening to your last one. You're talking about, they were talking about that. You guys were actually talking about that. Um so how's that actually work? Because I don't actually fully understand. Just out of curiosity, more out of my own curiosity. Yeah. Okay. So well, flat rates. Um, what that is. So let's say I'm replacing an alternator on a 
2005 Chevy truck, right? I would go into uh, the the service information, which has labor times posted in there of how long that job should take, right? So let's say it takes an hour. That's the book time. And so me as a technician, I change out the alternator and I get paid one hour of my, you know, hourly rate. You know, let's say I make 25 bucks an hour, I would get paid $25 to change that alternator. Okay. Now, if that takes me half an hour of physical time, I still get paid my hour's worth of flat rate. But if it takes me three hours to change that alternator because I break a bolt and I'm really slow and I mess around, I still only get paid for the 25, that $25, my one hour of time. So it really all comes down to your productivity as a technician on how much you can turn out, how much work you can get through your bay. And I worked flat rate for most of my career at Firestone and you'd have really good weeks, right? I'd hit a hundred hours in a week sometimes, not every week, but you know, when stuff lined up and I had some good jobs and I was busy, um, I would be there physically for about 50, 55 hours and turn almost double that. But on the flip side, there are slow times, as you know, in this industry, and we'd see maybe 20 hours of work within an entire week. And you're just sitting on your thumbs in the shop with nothing to do, because if you don't have work, you're not getting paid. (laughs) That's the downside to flat rate. Of course. Uh, and obviously, it pr- promotes. Right if you if you're going to be flat rate, right, then you've got, you've got to be at the right shop. Busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've you got to be in the right location too. You got to make sure that it's busy. We want to go towards the big cities where all the work is. If you're out in the, you know, the sticks, kind of where I live, actually, it's it's ugly sometimes. And, and going that rate, did you find? Obviously, they're pushing productivity, so there's a lot of speed. You know, do a quick, 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 quick prone mm-hmm. to potential things going wrong when you're working yep. at that speed or you sort of get pretty good at working at that speed? Um, yeah, it, it definitely varies depending on the technician. Uh, okay. Some guys would slow down intentionally because they didn't want to make the mistake because if it's a comeback, right, I screwed something up and I got to do it again, I'm not getting paid for that second time to do it. If it's a part yeah, right. failure, different story. If I install a part and it was just a defective part, they, they'll pay me again to do it. But if I screw it up, I got to do that for free. So that obviously will eat into your yeah, right. productivity. So you don't want to go too fast. Some people do. Some people don't care. They'll just blast through it. Um, but that is a really fine line that you walk and you try to find as many shortcuts as you can without sacrificing the quality of the job. Um, but it does promote people skipping things and cutting corners, right? It almost encourages a technician to do that. How can I get this done faster to make my check better? The other thing it doesn't promote is diagnostics is taking the time to figure out because the way we got paid was you get, I think it was an hour for a standard diagnostic job, which, you know, doesn't cover everything. And Mm -hmm. so if I'm doing an hour and I don't have an answer, it almost benefits me as a flat rate tech to guess and throw a part at it. Right. And you know, maybe I'm right and I can move on with my day. Um, it doesn't benefit me to keep going to figure out what it is because I'm not getting paid anymore. Uh, so it's, a, there's, there's a lot of people that don't like the flat rate system and want it to change. And a lot of people have, they moved to hybrid uh, pay structure, um, how do you guys do it? What's the pay structure for an average technician? Um, I think primarily it's going to be either a, just a set hourly rate or a salary. You okay. Know, you do 38 hours, you get X amount of money or hourly rate. Um, I'll probably speak more for myself and a, a few other shops as well. Like I, I've only known that type of structure. I mean, it might be different in like a, you know, in a body shop where the, you know, when you've got the, the, the fitters, I mean, those guys are machines. Um, but we're not, you know, we're not primarily not diagnosing cars. I don't want to say we don't fix them. But, um, you know, I think they work on, uh, you know, you've, you've got 1.2 hours to pull an engine out of a, you know, a C63 Mercedes. Um, you know, otherwise <laughs> they get shot if you don't. But um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think um, the workshops primarily do uh, salary. 
Yeah, we do. Normally yeah, most, it's normally pretty good. Yeah, Australian shops pay pretty well. Like um, hourly rate or salary is, is most cases, and like it's not uncommon where where a good tech, at least in, in a major city, like you know one of the major ones, pushing in Australian dollars, you know, six figures that they, they can they can make okay money. Um, mm-hmm. But for six figures, you've got to be worth six figures. So you know, still your forty hour week, but you you'll be you'll be working. Like you know, so I, I don't want to see comebacks for that sort of money. You know, but again, <laughs> right. I, but I don't, but I don't mind if that hour took you an hour and a half. Like you were not going to be, you know, again, not the whip in more, most of these cases won't be. Quantity. Yeah, I, I find a lot of the a lot of the ones here are more pushed towards, you know, do it right the first time rather than encouraging speed. I don't know, stresses me out. <laughs> Thinking, <laughs> but, yeah. but like, don't let this come across as the guys in Australia sit there, you know, drinking a Foster's. <laughs> having a barbecue yeah yeah <laughs> there is there is we will pump out that work oh yeah and like i i mean no shop likes comebacks but they like to do a good job you know we like to mm-hmm. make sure um everything's done properly um you know good parts you know you don't often see cheap crap oil in australia mm-hmm. you know we use we spend the money and then, and then obviously they, they sell that they sell that product to the customer. But um, people, they seem they seem to give a shit. So did I swear then? <laughs> they, seem to, they seem to care about what we're doing, you know, and it's uh, it's really good. You know, coming coming from the UK, to I'm not going to start commenting on on how people fix cars in in, in my area, but it was it was certainly a, a real nice eye opener to to how the workshops were run in Australia. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of places that um, have moved to some type of hybrid pay structure where you are salary or hourly, and then there's uh, incentive bonus on top of that. And I don't exactly know, you know, what what you have to hit. Yeah, and it makes sense. And I think that's I think that's the better way to go than a purely flat rate system. But I had said it before to somebody else. The flat rate system is a uh, it's a shop management system for people who don't know how to manage a shop. Right? It, the the pay structure gets these guys to work hard when you, as whoever's running it, you don't you don't have to really do a whole lot. You just rely on that. Um, and I never realized that when I was a tech and I was doing it, but it's, it's the truth. That's what that system is. So it probably is beneficial for everybody if that kind of goes away at some point, but it's, it's really tough, right? Because the top performers, the guys who are really good, don't want to go off of that. I mean, I know guys that would turn 120 hours in a week and they're making, they're making bank. They're making a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and you're working and so, 50 hours. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Those guys do not want to go. <laughs> yeah, they don't want change. Don't rate. change. Yeah. Right. Do not change. What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I think the future, especially for young technicians, cause a young guy on flat rate rarely does well. Um, mm-hmm. we need something else to draw people in towards the industry. What do you think that is? Because if you have the secret sauce, we're happy to take some. What do you think is going to help attract, you know, the the younger guys in? Yeah. Um, so I, I teach at a automotive school as well, so I get to see a lot of these young guys come in, and I think the best thing, you know, that we can do individually is be passionate about this stuff, and I have a feeling you guys are, but it's contagious, right? If you're excited about this stuff, you actually enjoy it and you share that with somebody else, the likelihood of them also being excited about it is, is pretty high. And so I try to do that when I go in and I teach these uh, guys and girls coming in. Um, I'm just, I, I, I am trying to be an advocate to the industry by being excited and passionate about it and not starting off the bat Absolutely. telling them all the terrible things about the industry and, oh, this, you're going to hate agree. this and this is going to be awful. No, this is the cool part about it. This is why I enjoy doing it. And just that excitement uh, can spread. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that, I mean, even just an average technician 
in a shop working with a younger person can do is just, you know, show your passion, share your passion with that younger person next to you. Um, and hopefully they'll spread. A hundred percent agree on uh, you know, there needs to be some type of, uh, you know, a, a bit of mentoring as well. You know, if, if you've got Absolutely. if you've got a, a good young kid there, boy or girl, um, you know, take, you, you need to be taken under the wing and, and shown how you know shown how to do things instead of just left as a an oily rag in the corner of a workshop. You know. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, I think we we're, we're talking about this couple of days ago with Jeff and I was like, you know, if, if I had a son I would have or a daughter, I'd have no problem them coming into my industry. Like I know like my old man was a bit more like, hey, it's dirty, you know, go go keep reading books, you know, go to that. But I was like, no, I like fixing things. Right? Like I would have no problem my son or daughter wanting to get into my trade. Like perfect, beautiful, you know. Um it, it's one of those industries that that, you know, this is it's given us so for me personally I should say it's given us so much. We've got mm-hmm. to do something to give something back. We can't just sit back and let it sort of fizzle into the abyss. You know, we've got to do something back. But yeah, look at the industry that we're going to be coming in. I mean, look how it's changing with the um, the hybrid and the EVs. And I don't know. It's, it's an exciting time. Mm-hmm. A lot going on. You know, I'm not. I'm, I don't love um, EV, but I, I can see the I can see the need for it. You know, when I started out, it was carburetors, uh, K jet. Uh, uh, Matronic and you know I, I've seen you know some evolutions going on and it's just going it's just going skyward. It's uh, it's, it's really exciting. Good times. <laughs> yeah, uh, with all like self-driving cars and yeah, electric vehicles coming down the road in the next twenty years or so. There's a ton of technology uh, yeah. coming this way, and uh, that's another aspect that a lot of kids get actually pretty interested in is the tech side of it but there's going to be an absurd amount of that to deal with on these broken cars um right. down the line so there's a there's a place for that but yeah going back to what you're saying jeff the apprenticeship um i think that is missed in a lot of cases a lot of the dealerships around here do that, but it's not as common in the independent world. I mean, you might work with a technician, but it, like I said, if they're on flat rate, they don't have a whole lot of incentive to stop and help somebody. Um, so it would be so much better to have a younger person or somebody who's starting shadow someone for the first however many years of their career. Um, I was just talking to an HVAC guy. He put a furnace in my house and he has an apprentice. He has a younger guy that just goes along, follows him, helps him out, learns all this stuff for, I think he said it was like two or three years, right? And then that Perfect. kid can go out on his own. And yeah, we don't see that as much in the auto industry. I don't know if it's any different for you guys. No, well, in in, our, in, in Australia, we actually, if you want to eventually be qualified to become a mechanic, you have to do a apprenticeship. There's mm. no option. So okay. it's a three-year it's a three-year um, based apprenticeship in most cases, um, and a fourth year being full time at work. So for the first three years, there's a few ways you can do it. If you go through a college, you might do like one week of your month you go to college, and then the rest of the month you're at work, and that goes on for your first three years. Or you may have a once a week sort of style where once a week you go to the college, and then the rest of the week you're at um, at your work, right? Um, and that has to happen for three years. To actually okay. eventually become a tradesman or get a qualification as a automotive technician or even a mechanic or whatever you want to call it, um, that's the minimum you have to do. And then then you do a full year of full time. Or if your boss believes that you know you know what you're actually quite advanced, I'm happy to sign you off. They can get you over the line in three years. That's normally an agreement that the boss will make with the teacher. And you know, like with us, we are quite involved with the where they're working and making sure that you know if there's issues with. With the way they're performing in the college, we'll we'll call the, the the supervisor or the boss and be like, "Look, he's having a harder time with this sort of system. Can we get him on some more of these jobs?" Right, um, and that's standardised across the country. The, the, everyone's got to be go through their apprenticeship program if they do want to become a qualified technician or a mechanic. It's standardised. Now, the only two states where we only have two states which require actual licensing to own a workshop, 
Okay. Every state requires them to be a tradesman, go through apprenticeship if they want to become a tradesman. Interesting. Yeah, we don't yeah. have anything like that here. You yeah, could, right. uh, I could hire some guy off the street and hand him a wrench, and <laughs> we're You're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, right. You know, if you want to get your qualification and finally be called a mechanic in Australia, you have to go through the apprenticeship program, which um, involves some form of formal accredited college or training. And then that, that, that gets coupled together with your on-work training. Um, and in most states requires, um, you know, you need work evidence to provide that you're working and all that sort of stuff. Otherwise, you don't get your qualification. Yeah. It's a, it's a decent system. Yeah. It's a, de- it's a decent system. Um, a little bit is reliant on the colleges doing the right thing because there's a few different options you can go down. And it's also a bit reliant on the work environment, making sure they're not just ticking them, flicking them and saying, yeah, they're good enough because, you know, they don't really want to waste too much time. They just want to get, get, get them making money as fast as possible rather than understanding fundamentals. Yeah. Well, cool, guys. Um, where can people find you guys? Now, you have a podcast now, or is it do you live streams combination of both? Yeah, so we've we primarily have always done we've always done our, what we call Friday Night Lives, uh, which was just generally shared through the um, the private group. So we have a private um, Facebook group, which is the Garage Network, and it's the private group. Um, it's only for techs or people working in workshops. You know, you won't get in there if you're a DIY, specifically for um, some sort of professional capacity, whether you're a mechanic or working in a front of house role or something like that, you can join. Um, so we primarily would do our Friday Night Lives live onto the group. Um, we are now in the process of, which we've been doing that for a year or two, uh, we're now in the process of converting a lot of those into um, podcasts. Um, okay. But previously being a private group, some of them are language is questionable, sure, sure. <laughs> um, you know. So, so, so we're trying to navigate that minefield a little bit. Um, yep. may, may, may have to scrap that and just start and just keep going from now on, being aware that more than just a closed group is going to have access to them. Um, but gotcha. yeah. yeah, so we obviously have our YouTube, which is quite new as well, which is, again, The Garage Network um, or our website, again, The Garage Network. Awesome. Well, yeah, I encourage anybody who's interested to go check that out. Um, yeah. Unless you guys got anything else, I suppose uh, we can uh, wrap this up and you guys can go to bed and I can start my day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's nowhere near me. No, no just a, it's a big thank you, really. Thanks for giving us some yeah. of your time and having us on. It's a bit, a bit of an honor. So, yeah, it was excellent. Well, glad thank to have you, you guys. You keep doing your love, keep fighting that good fight and doing your job. It's good. Okay, one more big thank you to Jeff and Costa for coming on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's really cool to talk to people in other countries <laughs> that I would never otherwise get the chance to do. So it's pretty cool. Um, also, I encourage anybody that's listening to check out the Garage Network. I'm going to put links to the website and their YouTube page in the show notes. So just scroll down a little bit, click, and you can check out everything that they have to offer. All right. Other than that, thank you for listening. I appreciate that as well. Let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.